0: Welcome to the Grow Your Wealth Show, designed to guide you through building and growing your empire. Created for those who want to use real estate to build generational wealth. Join your host, Max Boyko, as he interviews some of the most successful real estate investors on the planet. They will guide you through the different aspects of real estate investing and succeeding in your journey. On the show, Max will be interviewing top real estate insiders. Max is a successful real estate investor who's purchased and sold properties totaling in the hundreds of millions. Now, he's bringing all of his experience to you. Grow Your Wealth Show brings you new episodes every Monday and Thursday. This show is brought to you by Optimus Capital, the leader in funding real estate investors nationwide. Let me ask you, would you like to succeed in real estate beyond where you are now? Do you have questions and don't know where to start? Would you like to learn from a veteran investor? then you're in the right place. This podcast is designed for you. Now, here's your host, Max Boyko. Welcome,
1: everyone, to the Grow Your Wealth Show. This is your host, Max Boyko, and today I'm joined by Andrew Shanti from Optimus Capital. How's uh, how's the weather over in Florida, Andrew? Heard there's a storm coming through today. hot, Hot and balmy, no storm in sight. That's the other coast, huh? You got it. We, we don't we don't get worried, Max, until there's at least a category two plus. Okay, okay. Oh, this is this is just uh, this is just a way to uh, play in the puddles, as they say when we are kids, Pretty right? Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> Cool. So today we have a great show. Uh, Today we're going to talk about all the different types of real estate loans. So I think there's a lot of different loan types that people are unfamiliar with, or just, you know, learning the industry and learning the types of non conventional loan products that exist out there. And really just wanted to give you an insight on what all those are. And then at the end, we're just going to kind of end it with, you know, some credit tips. And, you know, credit is really important in this industry. I mean, I'd say probably top, you know, other than getting a great deal, probably the top thing that most lenders are going to look at when judging what kind of leverage to give you, how much money you can borrow, what kind of interest rates you're going to get, you know, the same as credit cards, you know, kind of the non-conforming lenders, that's something that we rely on. And the reason for that really is because, you know, it's really the only way we can verify how legitimate you're gonna be on making your payments. You know, I mean, we don't really look too much on bank statements or things like that. I mean, we definitely look at the real estate, but we don't look at income documents. So really the only way we can qualify someone without having to look at any income documents is the credit scores. You have anything else to add to that, Andrew? Yeah, to
2: Max's point, you know, it's really important that I think a lot of people have a misunderstanding when it comes to hard money loans that it's it's strictly based on the the quality of the deal. And while the the quality of the deal is, is, you know, uh, hugely important, the ability to show that you're going to repay back that loan or follow through with it is what's going to get you the money at the end of the day. So you have to have a good game plan. You have to have a good asset, you have to know what that asset's going to be once you're done with it. But at the end of the day, you have to be able to demonstrate that you pay your bills. So, you know, that's one of the big misconceptions in hard money is that uh, credit's not important. That's simply not the case. That's more of a private money loan with friends and family, probably because they just don't know better. You know, that's something they should be looking at. But the the credit's definitely kind of uh, part and partial to getting these loans done effectively for yourself. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, actually, I think you hit the nail on the head with that one. That's kind of where I see people that have bad credit or they're trying to get you know 100 financing. You know, I'm like, oh, that sounds like a friends and family loan. That's um, yeah. anytime you're trying to you know approach a lender that has structure, that has underwriting, that knows how to evaluate a deal, because you know at the end of the day purpose of a good lender isn't to take back the property. And we want to make sure that if we are providing a loan, that we're not going to have to take it back. Yeah. I mean, there there are lenders out there. I mean, they're kind of more like sharks and, you know, they'll usually charge an outrageous interest rate. You know, they'll Ignore bad credit and they're really lending to take back. Um, there are lenders that like that out there. We're definitely not one of those. Uh, We want to see our clients succeed. We want to see our clients make money and we want to see them, you know, grow generational wealth because, you know, the people that are going to be borrowing under. You know, dire circumstances are typically not going to be able to position themselves to build the wealth. You know, they're just going to position themselves to lose their properties, lose their livelihoods and, you know, cause a lot of stress and extra brain damage for everyone. And I think I think those those lenders build a name for themselves pretty quickly and get a bad reputation. And that's why you don't really come across them very often is because they go out of business pretty quickly.
2: I think it's critically important that whoever's handling, you know, the the back end of your financing is a, a critical part of your team. And that you want to make sure that they've got your back in, you know, making sure that you are accomplishing Mm -hmm. your goals and kind of increasing your net worth. On that note, you want to make sure that whoever you're working with is able to give you quantifiable advice, which is going to help you in the long run. And so Max had mentioned the credit aspect of things. If you're in a situation where you have trouble with credit right now, there are times when depending on the quality of the deal, we do have the ability to get those loans done. Or if it's simply a situation where we can't just because the credit's not high enough, You can always bring on a partner, or if a partner's on an option, you want to make sure that you have you have meaningful steps that you can take to kind of get where you need to go so that you can start getting into the real estate game and start investing.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. So finding a good partner, I think, is critical in this business. And you know, definitely you can find a credit partner, you can find an equity partner. You know, there's you can find a construction partner. I know all the deals that I've usually done in the past, I would actually partner up with a contractor. And get him to invest some of his money into the deal. You know, usually five to ten percent of the purchase price, and then they get to share in the profits. So for me, for me, that solved a big puzzle of you know having to babysit subcontractors or running around, and even giving up fifty percent of the profit is worth it because you know number one, he's coming in with you know most of the down payment. But number two, that takes the stress off of our shoulders about having to manage the project. So, you know, strong partnerships are definitely critical in this industry. With that, I just kind of want to get into the actual topic uh, that we're talking about today. So, you know, there's different types of loans. Like, you know, the first one I want to really start with is the one that everyone's probably familiar with, which is conventional loans. You know, so these are just kind of standard bank loans, you know, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. You know, they have their advantages and they have their disadvantages. I'd say the only real advantage is that their interest rates are typically lower and they'll do owner-occupied loans. You know, there's some really big downfalls, though, with that. So one of the big downfalls is they're always going to require global debt service. So if you're not familiar with global debt service, it's basically when a bank, they look at all the properties you own, they look at all the debt that you have, and your new payment has to be below a certain percentage of your income after all of those other expenses are paid. So basically, all those expenses are going to be taken out of your income. You know, they call it debt, 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 income, uh, DTI $3 I haven't done commercial, conventional loans for so long. <laughs> I don't think I've looked at a DTI for a few years now. Basically, they're going to look at your, what your income is compared to what your expenses are. And that ratio, especially for real estate developers, professional real estate investors, you know, is really difficult because you might be having, you know, 10 projects going on that are not income income producing. You know, I mean, you, you get your income when you finish the projects, but they're not going to look at what you're going to make after it's done. They're going to look at what your expenses are, how much you're paying for those loans, et cetera. So mm-hmm. banks will also, a lot of times they're going to want to see leases, income and losses on all the properties you own. So when you apply for a conventional loan for an investment property, they're, they're probably going to condition you for every single lease for every single property that you own. And they're going to want to I mean they'll, they'll go as far as asking for utility bills to make sure that they subtract those out of your income so you know, conventional loans do get pretty difficult but for owner occupied I mean I, I'd say it's you know it's definitely a great option because you know you can get a rate in the twos right now 30 year fixed so you know definitely don't want we, we don't want to or plan to compete with that but you know for, for investment property loans I really don't think conventional is typically the way to go um, there, there's also a cap on conventional loans they'll let you have 10, 10 conventional investment property loans loans, typically with Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, uh, and anything past 10, basically, they're not going to qualify. You have to get a commercial loan. And that's kind of where we come in as Optimus Capital to be able to provide. Any, anything you want to add on conventional? Yeah. So also when you're looking at a conventional loan, if
2: it's something with Fannie, Fannie and Freddie, the the time to funding of the loan could be considerate. So I know, uh, for instance, I was looking at uh, one of the USDA loans the other day for rural properties. It says on their web page that minimum, is three to six months to fund that loan. So if you're in a situation, I don't know of too many sellers that are going to give you three to six months to close on a, on a purchase of a property. So if you're, you're trying to get a good deal, good luck. Good luck trying to convince a seller to, you know, hold off on selling that property while you just kind of deal with what's required on the government side to get approved and actually get the money on that, on that transaction. So, you know, one of the, one of the, the, the really Huge plus is about hard money and private money in the first place is speed of execution because we don't need to verify everything. We don't need bank statements. We don't need to verify income. We don't need to verify job history. We don't have to go through all of the brain damage that if you've ever gotten just a purchase a home comes up in underwriting. That's not part of the process. Process Processes. Do you have the ability to pay for it? Do you have some cash in the account? Is your credit good? Is it a good deal? And then you're, you're off to the races. So, you know, for, for well put together packages. On the hard money side, we can legitimately fund a deal sometimes in as quick as seven days to three weeks without all of the difficulty and headaches that come with these conventional, with these
1: conventional conforming loans. Yeah, no, that's great input. And, and yeah, and with that, we'll kind of go into the, we'll call it non, non-conventional non loans. Um, and that's kind of the niche that Optimus Capital specializes in uh, and where I would say we're able to offer the best products available in the marketplace right now. So, you know, I'm going to use the terminology and kind of provide a little description of each one of uh, the types of loans. And then we'll kind of use a real life scenario on when this type of loan can be used. You know, some of them are going to be pretty self-explanatory, you know, but you know, there's also some very creative ways of being able to utilize some of these loans to accomplish your goals. So the first one, and really the basic, this is kind of the foundation of hard money. This is where hard money started is really a bridge loan. So a bridge loan, what you can look at it is a you know, exactly what it is, a bridge to an exit strategy. So bridge loans always require an exit strategy. Actually, every loan that we have, except for our exit loans or 30 year rental loans are going to require some type of an exit strategy. Um, But a bridge loan, you know, it's typically 12 months, we can do 18 or 24 months on those as well. And a bridge loan is really just a temporary loan against a property. So with a bridge loan, it's going to look at it just the value of the property as it stands. Typically, bridge loans are going to range anywhere from 60 to 80% loan of value, um, depending on what it is, what condition it's in, where it is, who's the borrower, what the credit scores are. You know, it does come back to credit score quite a bit. You know, the interest rates are definitely going to be a little bit higher than the long-term loans. But since it's a short-term loan, you know, the interest rates really, you know, not as impactful and the cost of not getting it Typically outweighs getting the loan. Different situations where people get bridge loans is, for example, you know, we're closing a loan today that someone finished, they bought a property, they did the remodel with cash, and basically buried all their money into the deal. They have very little assets left. They got in a contract on a piece of land that came up that they've been waiting for that they can build a house on. And actually, it's a really good deal. It's four pieces of four parcels that they're buying, but all their money's tied up in this one deal. So basically, they are getting a bridge loan, we're cashing them out. Um, This one ended up at 75% cash out loan. Um, You know, it's a very experienced borrower that we've done a lot of business with. He's a general contractor, has excellent credit over 750. And we ended up doing this bridge loan at 75%. We closed in, I think I got the loan on Thursday and we're closing today. (laughs) That's three, three business day turnaround time. But you know, it was a repeat client, someone we worked with and a property in our backyard that we're familiar with. But it's just an example of a bridge loan that you can get to quickly close and you know, really just, just get from point A to point B. I mean, the property's finished, it's on the market, but you know, he's getting offers on it even, you know, but none of those offers are going to close within 30 days. And for him to be able to have gotten that land, he had to basically come up with the money within a week. So this, you know, it's, it's just a way to use it to accomplish your goals in various ways. Do you have any examples of a bridge loan that um, kind of helps solve a p- puzzle for someone? One, one thing I do want to mention
2: on bridge loans. So as Max had mentioned, bridge loans tend to have a higher interest rate. So you could be looking anywhere from, you know, 8% up to say like 99 at 10.5% interest rate. These loans are designed for a holding period of, you know, typically around one year, their interest only. And so as an investor, it's important to look at, you know, what you're getting for your capital. So if it's a one-year loan, but you're getting in and out of an investment in three months, you're not actually paying 9%, 10%, 10.5% on a loan. You're only, you're only holding onto that loan for a few months. So you're only paying a portion of that total interest rate. You know, mo- most rehabs are only going to take you say 60 to 90 days to kind of, if, if you have the proper team in place, where you know what you're doing to kind of get in, get out, get it to market. And so it's all about speed of execution. So you can get in, get your money, put it to work, take your profits, and then go into the next deal. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really the name of the game right there is speed, speed of execution, getting in, getting out and not, not letting it carry on, you know, holding your team accountable on the transaction.
1: Cool. So, and then the, ne- the next type of loan, it's a fix and flip loan, which is actually like a subcategory of a bridge loan. So bridge loans... You know, it's kind of like a very general category, Um, but there's standard bridge loans, but then there's the fix and flip bridge loans. So fix and flip bridge loans, I mean, they'll typically go up to 90% of the purchase price, 100% rehab, you know, again, subject to credit scores and experience, but anywhere I'd say, you know, anywhere from 75% of the purchase price to 90% of the purchase price is kind of the range. Um, If they're lopsided where, you know, the rehab is larger than the purchase price. It could get categorized as a new construction loan, also, which it's a different way to evaluate the deal. Um, but fix and flip loans are really, you know, kind of the industry standard for what everyone thinks about uh, when you know they're looking at getting uh, you know this type of loan. One thing to look out with it, with fix and flip loans is. You know, the big thing that we're going to look at is what the after repair value is. So most of these loans are going to get capped at 70 to 75% of the after repair value. You know, that, that's really the advantage of a fix and flip loan versus a standard bridge loan. So a standard bridge loan is going to be focused on the as-is value of the property. A fix and flip loan is going to be more focused on the after repair value of property. There might still be some parameters like not to exceed numbers for the as-is, but it's really, it doesn't carry as much weight as the after repair value. Since we're looking at the after repair value, what that does cause is, you know, basically a lot of times the rehab to be mandatory. So, you know, unless you can show that you have the money set aside in an account to do the rehab. Um, that can sometimes get it waived. But nine times out of 10, it's actually going to be mandatory to take the rehab money as part of the loan to make sure that if anything does happen, that you know, number one, you have enough money to finish the project. Um, but number two is that if you do fail to finish it, that the lender can step in and has the money set aside to be able to finish it.
2: Yeah. So for, especially for first time investors, just to make sure that you know, you're, you're clear on how these loans work. So when you, I know Max had mentioned, you know, a 90, 100, right? So for someone who has the the credit, you know, a 720 plus credit score, we'll fund 90% of the purchase price, 100% of the construction rehab costs up to 70 to 75% of the after repair value. So in that particular situation, the investor has to come to the table with the 10% down the closing costs on the loan plus whatever the closing costs are on the potential real estate purchase side if it is a purchase and then they have to have enough money to actually fund the first part of the construction rehab so lenders aren't going to take the risk in giving you the money up front for the construction rehab not knowing whether or not you're going to take that money and run with it or and you know so the the money is there for the project to get done so that's why it's structured that way in in you know the the hard money space so when you're kind of figuring out do i have enough money to do this deal Make sure you have enough money for your down payment, for your closing costs, and to fund the first part of the actual rehab before we come in, do our inspection. After the inspection, we're going to go ahead and give you that money back so you can go on to the next phase of your rehab. So just make sure you're accounting for that when you're kind of figuring out how much money you need to actually do a deal properly.
0: Access to more capital for your real estate projects? You're in luck. Max is the leader and managing director of Optimus Capital, a national private money firm which provides capital to real estate investors throughout the country. They offer some of the most competitive terms and rates in the industry. Currently, they fund single family flips up to 90% of the purchase price and 100% of the rehab costs. They also fund new construction. Rentals. It doesn't matter if you have one rental or an entire portfolio of 100. They get it done. They also fund multifamily, refinances of all types. Optimus Capital has closed hundreds of millions in loans for real estate investors throughout the country. Whether you're a seasoned, experienced investor or just getting started and haven't done a deal, Optimus Capital has got you covered. Head over to OptimusCapitalCorp.com now and fill out the quick form the professional team at optimus capital is standing by ready to assist you now um
2: right. max i guess the, the next the next loan i guess would probably be uh, new construction loans or development loans so on the new construction development loan side you know we're, we're talking ground up construction or you know as max had mentioned a, a lopsided deal where you have a, a very low purchase price compared to you know what's required on the new construction loan side you know you're, you're going to max out at about 80 uh loan to cost on it sometimes we can push that up to 90 percent for an experienced borrower that you know has a solid track record behind them but generally speaking in the industry you know, you're looking at that 80%. So you're gonna have to come to the transaction with uh, 20% down or in a situation where say you actually own the land outright, you know, um, that can go towards your first draw on it. So you can pull out some cash against the the free and clear land and then get the ball moving for you as we kind of move into that 80% loan to cost structure.
1: Max, anything you want to add on that on the new construction loans? Yeah, so new construction, um, I'd say are very more, much more focused on experience. You know, credit matters as well, but experience—I'd say—with new construction loans is going to be the big critical item. And you know, most lenders are going to want to see at least three deals that you have been built previously. Sometimes to get around experience, we can work with a general contractor, or if you can, you know, if the borrower can partner up with a general contractor and get them to co-sign for the loan, that could help. Um, Or some, or just bringing in a guarantor that's built other homes, and you can basically piggyback off of their experience. Um, Or, you know, another kind of alternative I've seen is if you can use for experience someone that's done some heavy rehabs or some additions, things like that. So we actually close closing this week, a new construction loan in Tampa, Florida, out near the neck of the woods. Um, So they have not previously built an actual ground up, but they've done over 20 flips and three of those were over $200,000 renovation budgets and their budget for building this house. They're building a small home to get started and kind of get their feet wet was like $180,000. So, you know, like, Hey, this new construction loan is actually less than some of the rehabs you've done. So, you know, there's, there's ways to kind of get around it on the experience side by being able to, you know, use those types of factors to offset it. We actually got it approved at 85% loan of cost. Um, But it is a borrower that we've done, you know, 15 other loans with and you know we've never had any collection issues so from that aspect so a borrower with you know experience in other areas other than new construction but if they've done some additions or some heavy rehabs or they're a general contractor that they can show they've built stuff for you know other clients you know we can usually quantify that as experience if they don't have actual ground up experience they might get a little bit of a haircut on the leverage um, but you know I, i'd say the experience and then the market also is gonna play a big role. The institutional capital that's behind construction loans right now is very sensitive to where those new construction loans are being done. Um, they wanna see, you know, typically high population metro areas, you know, getting construction loans in a rural area is probably gonna be very difficult unless you're willing to take, you know, like 60, 65% loan of cost. Um, so there, there's kind of offsetting issues there, but You know, typically to get kind of the best loans in the industry, you want to be in a major metro area with, you know, good growth numbers for population, for um, real estate growth. And that's usually going to offset the risk um, to get kind of that higher leverage. Uh, I've seen new construction loans approved as much as 90% of the cost. It does get a little pricier. You're going to pay more in points because, I mean, basically at that point, you're, you know, you're getting a mezzanine piece or, you know, an equity piece from the lender. So, you know, they're going to charge you more for that. And a lot of times it's still cheaper than actually having to go out and fundraise and find an investor that's going to do it. I'd say to get that 90%, I mean, you better have at least a hundred. Projects in your pipe and your uh in your track record, so don't go in expecting any kind of numbers like that. Typically, you are really in that seventy five to eighty five percent range, uh, depending on experience, credit, and the market that the project is going to be in. So, the development loans is kind of an offshoot of new construction loans. So, the development loans is kind of pre construction; it's putting in the site utilities. Um, Or the site improvements, the utilities, the roads, Uh, a lot of times these become very expensive. And honestly, I recommend, you know, raising cash, cash or capital to be able to get those Uh, for larger deals and for very experienced developers. I mean, we, we do have a great arsenal of investors that do like those loans you know, you're not doing those unless you have at least a few million dollars in your bank for liquidity, because, you know, it's a a very seasoned developer once taught me uh, one of the main rules in development is it's always going to take longer and it's going to cost more even after you already expect it to cost more. (laughs) So, you know, it's always going to cost more than what you think it's going to cost more of. So, you know, it's, in lenders know this, you just really for development loans, you're really going to have to have some very strong assets and experience to be able to qualify for those. But there are some options available. And Andrew, I think you're uh, you're working on a few development loans now, actually. Is there any kind of insight you have on those?
2: Yeah. So as you said,
1: uh, kind of the the name
2: of the game is the the pre-development costs. So I, I've got a, a couple projects that are larger for developers that just got in a really good deal where you've got, you know, 270 homes or or even 1200 homes that they're looking to build as part of a master plan community, the the bigger part of that is putting the inroads, clearing the lots and just doing doing the work necessary to be able to actually get to the point where they can go vertical or where they can sell that lot to an end investor and start retiring some of that debt. And so again, it, it's also critical that who you're partnering with on the back end understands that neck of the industry and and kind of has a thorough understanding because as Max said, it's it's a perilous game. And so a lot of lenders won't come in until you have your entitlements in place on it and an approved project. So most lenders will not take entitlement risk, which is that it's, it's zoning is already in place. Project's already been approved so that the the lender is already coming in basically on a, a project that's been approved by the government, by the community, by the, the counties and is is ready to go. I mean, today's Tuesday. I've got a couple projects up in Jacksonville, you know, 61, 62 townhomes. Lenders won't come in into the transactions until they, he's actually got his uh, his, his committee hearing. Uh, no no expectations that he he won't get approved, but he's just been kind of front front loading all of his expenses until he kind of clears that hurdle. And then once he clears that hurdle, uh, there's a a whole cadre of of uh, investors that we have available for him that that want to fund those deals ASAP. Uh, once that development risk is taken off the table,
1: then yeah, no entitlement risk. I would say is definitely something lenders shy away from. I know a lot of examples, like in 2008 when the big crash happened. You know, land went you know from being worth millions of dollars to being worthless and getting auctioned off for 100, 200 thousand dollars. Yeah. Actually, that was a great time to be buying it. And land values really didn't recover until 10 years later. So... You know, that's kind of the big reason why pretty hard to get a land loan is because when the markets shift or adjust, you know, house prices might fall 20, 30 percent. Land is going to fall 90 percent because it's, you know, no one wants to buy it because they don't want to pay the taxes because they can't do anything with it. It's not worth anything. So just kind of keep that in mind. You know, land loans are pretty difficult and probably out of question unless it's getting ready to build something or there's a project already approved for it. But anything that's going to require Require an approval or, you know, kind of a entitlement process is pretty, pretty difficult. So the next thing, and Andrew, I know this is like really your specialty and your cup of tea um, is these rental loans. I'd say, you know, we used to be doing, you know, 70, 80% of our loans used to be fix and flip loans, where now probably 80% of our loans are rental loans. Um, do you want to dive in and kind of maybe talk about the different type of rental loans, uh, what the options are, and some of the challenges or and, and advantages of getting them?
2: Yeah. So the the rental game has really changed as a result of your short term rental market. You know, your Airbnbs, your your VRBOs, and kind of the the new profit model and potential that has come to the forefront for real estate investors that have only been doing long term rentals on their property. So let, let's let's quantify real quick. So you've got a long term rental, which is You've got an investment property, you fix it up. Now you've put in a, a single family into or a, a single tenant in place that's now paying you rent on that every month long term. So you've got, you know, just a, a stable traditional tenant in place who's now covering your debt. On a long-term rental loan, you know, if it's a uh, just a straight purchase, you know, we can do up to 80% of the purchase price of those loans. So the investor has to come to the table at 20% down. However, to qualify on a long-term rental loan, the the rent needs to cover the debt service plus a margin thereof, you know, sometimes it's 1.2, 1.25%, you know, at least 20, 20 to 25% of the actual mortgage cost to be able to qualify for those loans, which if you're buying a more expensive property or you've got a more extensive rehab cost on it, then you may run into a situation where if you're looking at a long-term tenant, the the rent that you can get in that market may not justify the higher cost of the loan. You know, even if that loan is say, you know, a four and a quarter, four and a half, you know, 5%, just because the market isn't there. So, and that, that comes up in an appraisal, you know, when you are looking at these rental loans uh, on an appraisal report for a rental property, there's going to be a market rent that comes up on the actual appraisal. And so that's going to be looked at during the underwriting process and potentially tank the financing of your deal if if it's not strong enough or won't support the debt on it. So that's a long-term rental. Now where the game has really changed is on the short-term rental side. So uh, investors are now buying properties with the intention of not putting in a single tenant and they're realizing that they can make a a whole lot more money by buying these properties in areas and markets where they don't even live, putting a property manager in place and they're giving up sometimes, you know, 5, 8, 10, uh, 18, 20% of the property income to a professional property manager who's going to manage all of your expenses, manage your repairs, do all the marketing, uh, do all the bookkeeping on the back end for you and just cut you a check every month, which is is an absolute game changer because it's it's taking all of the stress off of the actual property owner. And they're just now collecting a sometimes a serious check every single month on this property, where as before, I'll give you an example, I had an investor who's, you know, looking up on the panhandle and they've got a few different properties that they're buying right now. And they're, they're operating off of spreadsheets, you know, that they get for short-term rentals. Um, There's one property I'm looking at it right now, purchase price on this is 120,000. Their down payment is 18,000. However, their potential short-term annual rent is seventy-three thousand dollars a year
1: Whoa. with a thirty
2: with a thirty percent with a thirty percent vacancy factor. They're only spending one hundred and twenty thousand dollars on this property, but because of where they're buying, it's a beach community. It's on the water. It's a you know it's it's a condo. It's just a, it's just a one bedroom. But in this particular market, um, I mean, so they're. They're looking at a net operating income of 45,826. I mean, so they're, I mean, they're, they're not coming to the table with much. They're coming to the table on this transaction with 20% down and they're, they're at over a hundred percent return on their money. So their, their cash on cash return, looking at their numbers is 131% return a year. Wow. That's Amazing. That what a game changer. I mean, this, this, this isn't a huge property. This is a $120,000 property that these guys are buying. So for you real estate investors that are out there that are listening to this, you really need to look at this market and look at this model because it is probably one of the biggest cash cow opportunities that exists. And with the the understanding of how to actually fund these deals now. The money is finally there to kind of do cash out refis for this model, to do per- new purchases for this model and kind of get these purchase with little, little down payment out of pocket so that you can just start getting huge rates of return on your money that is, you know, typically not been possible with real estate. I mean, you're, you're talking 131% return on a rental. That's never happened before. And the, the market has kind of come to understand what that model is and how to underwrite it. And so we we really have the ability to to kind of give you whatever amount of capital you need to either go do your, your fix and flip so that you can turn into these short-term rentals or just come in, buy it, you furnish it, uh, you make it a nice place. And then you turn it over to a property manager that's just going to really knows what they're doing. They're just going to bank on this property for you and do a good job.
1: Yeah, the things to be careful with those short-term rentals um, that I found be issues is, you know, you got to make sure that the property, the zoning allows it and that you're able to get it permitted. Um, it's kind of a gray area in some markets, um, but usually most of the counties actually have regulation on it. And what you don't want to do is have a short-term rental that you start you get it listed on Airbnb or VRBO or wherever you get a hundred people that sign up for it. And then the County comes over and shuts you down because you're not doing it legally. I mean, basically your account's destroyed and Airbnb is not going to restore your account. Once you get you know hundred bad reviews, there's no like reset button. <laughs> I mean, I guess you can use a different person. Um, you just really got to be careful. Um, and make sure that it's actually, you know, and, and from the lender side, you know, if we're using Airbnb qualify for the income, we're actually going to make sure that it's a legal area. And if you're more than a hundred miles outside of the the location, if you live more than a hundred miles outside of it, you will need a professional property management company most of the time. So that's just kind of something to keep in mind. Another thing that you mentioned that I think is powerful is being able to use a fix and flip loan with 10% down, get a hundred percent of your rehab financed, and then being able to refinance into a rental loan, either a short-term or long-term, you know, rental, you know, you only have 10% exposure, 10% skin in the game after, you know, you get all your rehab financed, you know, it's pretty minimal. And, you know, imagine the return on investment on that amount, <laughs> like that that's condo, harsh. they would have been able to get with, you know, $12,000 down uh, if they did a fix and flip instead of right away a rental. And, you know, <laughs> that's like a hundred percent a month. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty phenomenal. But there, there's a lot of ways to combine the different loans together as well to be able to get those. And, and on the rentals, uh, on the rental loans, you know, there's kind of, you know, primarily we see 10 years interest only loans or 30 year fixed, fully amortized. But there are other options for like five, seven, you know, various other year types. Um, and you can either do it all as one loan, um, where you can cross collateralize, say, you know, 10, 20, 50 properties under one rental loan, or you can do them individually individually. Different people have different preferences, depending on what their long-term goals are, whether they plan to sell out some of the properties out of the portfolio or whether they're going to be keeping them like all together forever. You know, some are like, Hey, these are my forever homes. I'm passing them on to my kids. I just want one rental loan for 30 years and, you know, we'll throw 30 properties in there. So we see all kinds. Um, We're actually out of time for this show today, um, but I think we had some really great quality content. Uh, What I want to do is kind of continue some of the topics we talked about and regarding the business credit and kind of building personal credit. I think that's something we can jump in on our next episode. Andrew, will you be joining us on the next one? Absolutely. All right. So, you know, stay tuned for that. Uh, for the time being, you know, I think we covered a lot of great ground. Um, hopefully you guys learned some some excellent content and are going to be able to utilize this to grow your empire, expand your real estate holdings and build generational wealth. Thank you all for joining us and stay tuned for our next episode
0: for tuning in to Grow Your Wealth Podcast brought to you by Optimus Capital. If you liked this episode, be sure and follow and subscribe. You can listen to every episode on all major platforms. Have an interest in being on the show? Reach out to optimuscapitalcorp.com slash show to access the resources mentioned in each episode. Until next time, remember to use real estate to build generational wealth.